So we start this series, So You're Dead, Now What? And uh, it reminds me of the story that I heard. Um, there's a guy who's in heaven, and he's standing, you know, at his sort of evaluation or his life evaluation, or, uh, you know, another term would be his judgment. And, and he's standing there, and, and, you know, they're interviewing him, you know, hey, would you say you lived a pretty good life? And he says, yeah, you know, and, and they're starting to describe the way that he lived. And so someone then asks him, you know, what was the greatest thing you would say you did for good? What's the greatest thing you did for good? And he says, well, you know, there's that one time where I was walking down the road, and I saw those group of thieves uh, they tried to jump that old woman and, and steal her things, and, and I stepped in, and they said, oh, wow, that sounds like a big deal. You stepped in. They said, yeah, you know, there was probably five of them, you know, and they were really violent men. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I stepped in there, and uh, I just wasn't going to let them do it. You know, I was just going to, I just made sure I was going to defend her and take care of her. They said, wow, you know, you're not that big of a person. Um, you know, how did you do that? Like, how did you How'd you handle that? Well, you know, they were really big men. It was like a mob. I think it was like a gang. You know, there was a lot of them. And I just stood up and, and they said, wow, that's amazing. You know, well, when, when did that happen? And the guy said, well, about three minutes ago. <laughs> so, he's, he died. He, he died, you guys. Hopefully the second service is more fun than you guys. <laughs> and that's it. The rest of my sermon is turn or burn. So if you'll get your Bibles out. It's all the fun we're going to have today, and it apparently wasn't that fun. So <laughs> here's the truth about eternity. Uh, Jesus spoke more in his time here on earth about money and eternity than he did anything else. Some scholars even believe that he spoke more about money and eternity than he did everything else combined. So Jesus had this mindset, if you will. He had this heavenly mindset of eternity that's like, listen, our thinking, the way that we process, the way that we navigate through life needs to be eternally minded. Everybody says, oh, I, I realize that. You know, I, I need to not sin so I can go to heaven. But there's more to it than that. Uh, he, he lived in a way and spoke of a way that we program ourselves to view and see the world from an eternal standpoint. Uh, we know that the scripture says that we, our life is but a vapor. It's but a vapor. Uh, one translation or one thought of it is like if you've ever taken the lid off the pot of something that was steaming and you lift it up and, it, and the vapor goes up and then a second later it's gone. Uh, that quickly in time is what the scripture alludes our life to being. Just there a moment and then gone. But eternity in comparison is an endless ocean. So think about your life, your time here, the way you spend it is just this vanishing vapor. But eternity, what we'll do after we've been here, is an endless ocean compared to the vapor. It's deep and wide and eternal. It's forever. And so, so many of us spend so much of our time concentrating on the things that we're going to do in this vapor this time that we have here, the things we can accumulate here. We put all of this energy and effort into this vapor instead of spending our energies on the, the, the huge ocean that is our eternity. Are you with me? Yeah. And the truth is what you believe about death and eternity will determine the way that you live here now. What you think about heaven or what you think about hell or what you think about eternity determines the choices and the way that you live your life out here. So it's important for us to know some things and to have some information about eternity and heaven and hell. That's why it matters. Many of us go, ah, oh, heaven, hell, that's, that's for later. Let's get to that later. Uh, it's better, no, now, right? Yeah. Not later. 
it's important that we spend our energies and efforts having some understanding about our eternity now because later is too late. Are you with me? And so it's important for us. Colossians 3 begins to talk about how it says we're called to set our mind on things above. Or one says you set our minds on the things of heaven and not the things here on earth. Uh, There's this old saying that people would say, oh, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. You know, and there are some people that are that way. All they want to do is talk about and sing about the sweet by and by, and someday we're going to get taken and all this kind of stuff. And I understand that you'll have no impact when you live that way. But there is a truth to the fact that we live, we should be living so heavenly minded here on earth that we're then doing earthly good. Are you with me? You're so heavenly and eternally conscious that it then drives you to make an earthly difference. So when we serve or when we give or when we pray for somebody or when we uh, extend forgiveness or whatever those things are, we're so heavenly minded in those moments that we then be able to make an earthly difference. Are you with me? So we spend our lives two ways. You can spend your life on earthly things or you can spend your life on eternal things. And it's real easy for us to say, well, heaven is there and heaven is someday, and I'll handle that now. But our everyday waking moment should be like Colossians says, that we keep our minds set on things above, not the things here on earth. We don't wake up and say, you know, how am I going to accumulate this? How am I going to gain this? How am I going to get to this? We wake up and say, like, how am I going to make an eternal difference today? How can I break somebody out of something that's holding them back from what God has for them? Are you with me? And so it's important for us to look at Even Jesus, the Great Commission, before he goes to heaven, he says to everybody, what? He says, listen, my commission to you is go everywhere and preach what? Heaven. Preach eternity. Go out and reach people and share the gospel and make a difference. Why? Because our energies and our efforts should be all about eternity. It's like our commission here on earth is to line up as many people as we can in the heaven line. We just, all of our energies, all of our efforts are, hey, we got to do things that get people on the bus with us to heaven. Are you with me? And it's not about, oh, we just got to get people to heaven. We just get them to pray the prayer, then they're on their way to heaven. Because when we live heavenly minded, it makes an earthly difference. I really want us to take that part home. When we live heavenly, it makes an earthly difference. So there's a couple of things that we need to know when we talk about heaven. And this, honestly, uh, we have a four-week series here. Today, I'm going to kind of do intro to heaven, and then I'm going to do heaven next week, and then we're going to do hell. And, uh, and, and, and if you miss that week, I'm just going to come to your house and preach it at your house. So don't skip it because we're going to pay attention, uh, but we're going to do hell. And then the last one we're going to do is the process of salvation. Do you know that it is important for us to be able to lead somebody in salvation? If you're living a heavenly life, if you're living a heavenly-minded life and someone comes to you and and you're in that moment that you could lead them to Christ, we need to know what that process looks like. Are you with me? So those are our four weeks. This is kind of intro, and then next week we'll spend some more time in it, but I encourage you to grab that book, uh, learn more about it. If I were to preach everything the Bible says about heaven, we'd be in a 15-week series, and I don't even want to do that. So so there's a few things here. I want to get the baseline today. Uh, about heaven and eternity. The first thing is this, that we need to know about eternity and that we need to know about heaven. The first thing you need to know is that we're all going to die. Put that right out there first. Um, Every human in human history becomes human history. We all die. That's, that's, are you with me? (laughs) 
<laughs> so when that part is out of the way, we then start to go, well, then what happens? We all die. Everybody dies. We all become human history. So then what? And the second thing we then need to deal with is this idea that you have a body, a spirit. You have a spirit, a soul, and a body. And I can't get into the breakdown of all of that, but the scripture is going to show us a few things here. You die and your body ceases to function. And whether you're cremated or you're put in the ground or whatever, that part of you has ceased. Uh, and then there's another part of us that then participates in eternity. Now, I realize there's some things that happen with our body and coming up from the grave later, but right now I'm talking about what happens when we die. And so what we see here is the soul and the body are separate. We can find this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. It says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. In John chapter 11, 25 and 26, it says, he who believes in me will live even though he dies, speaking of the afterlife. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Meaning there is life after this in God. There is promise and there is purpose and there is things that God has for you when you live beyond your body after you're, are you with me? Number three, one thing we really need to come to an idea of is this happens and it's a big part of how we live heavenly minded here on earth. Uh, the other thing I wanna let you know is that you will face a judgment. When you die, you go to a place of judgment. We find it here in Hebrews 9, 27. It says, just as a man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. One phrase that you see in scripture is this idea called the great white throne. Uh, you find it in Revelation 20. Uh, it says this, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is called the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's the great white throne judgment. And you see the books in our record. And, and I don't even, you know, like talking about this. There's, there's much of us who, who, who we read this kind of stuff. And, and it's hard to compute because we know God is good God. And, and we think about this and we don't connect it as a God who's loving and who cares for us. And, and, but this is a God who's prepared a way for you to love. It's the, he didn't create us robots is what I'm trying to say. The ultimate act of love was he gave you a free will. You have the ability to choose to love and live for God. Are you with me? And so that's the great white throne. We see a judgment process there in scripture. You see another one, uh, the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus will be there. You see in Romans 14, 10, it says, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I realize this is a lot of scripture set up, but I'm gonna get to it. Uh, it says this in 1 Corinthians 3.13. It says, a person's work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. Speaking of the judgment day, it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. And so talking about our life and as Jesus comes back in another realm of judgment here. And so all of this is big 
and you didn't come here to hear about your judgment and eternity and all those kinds of things, but it matters because being heavenly minded is to be somebody who says, I'm going to give an account for the stewardship of my life. The choices I make, the things that I participate in, the way that I engage in my community and all of these kinds of things, if it matters enough for God to keep track of it, how much more so should we keep track of it and pay attention to the days that we've been given? You've heard a lot of us, you know, we've talked a lot over the last couple of weeks, talk about how our days are numbered and we should spend them accordingly. We want to be the ultimate stewards of the way that we live our life. Are you with me? It's a vapor, but yet we're going to spend an eternity in an endless ocean. Uh, obviously not literally, but you know what I'm saying, the, the idea in there. But I want to stop and I want to change from the judgment because you think, man, heaven already sounds like a, like a bummer. You know, you get in the door and nobody likes being questioned, right? Right? And, and, and I think uh, this week's Mrs. Better Half might actually deal with, does it? You, you told me I didn't pay attention. I was busy filling out my card, I think. Oh, it was communication this week, right? Communication this week. See, I'm good there. I don't need that. See the life example? <laughs> but nobody likes questioning. Nobody likes to be judged. Nobody likes to keep an account record. But here's why. Here's why. Because our loving Heavenly Father has reward designed for you. He has amazing things put in place. I don't have all the uh, scriptures up on the screen, but you'll see in 1 Corinthians 9, it talks about how there's an incorruptible crown that God has for you. And I can't describe it because I don't know what it's like to receive that. I don't know what that's like to be in heaven and to, to know what that moment feels like when you receive an incorruptible crown that's been designed for you by God. I've received some pretty extravagant gifts and some things that were really crafted in love, but an incorruptible crown from my Savior, nothing's going to compare to that. He also talks about a crown of righteousness in 2 Timothy 4, 8, saying you've lived uh, uh, righteously, you've, you've lived, and so here's this crown that I've also prepared for you. It talks about in it is uh, the crown of glory and the crown of life. There's all of these uh, rewards. Maybe some of you have grown up and, and there's actually been a joke made about your crown where it's like, oh, you've received another jewel for your crown. But those things are listed there in heaven. Why? Because God designed a place that he wants to be with you. The scripture says dwell with you and he wants to love on you and spoil you and reward you for your stewardship here on earth. Are you with me? So when we live heavenly-minded, eternity-minded, you know that what you do here on earth when you come and serve, it's not just to make me happy or to make a church happy or your brother or sister happy. It, it, it's God is up there. He's adding to the things that he's putting in place for you. That's being heavenly-minded. Are you with me? Heaven is God's idea to be with us. Genesis, you see God created uh, the garden and his desire was to walk among us and be with us. God's deepest desire is to dwell among us and be with us. Are you with me? That's what heaven is. It's getting to be with God. It's, and and I'm, we're not separated from God now. You know what I'm saying? But I'm saying you get to the place where finally we're in all the glory and goodness of God. Are you with me? Jesus is on the cross and he says about heaven that you'll be with me in paradise paradise. Many of us live our time here on earth to try to create those places of paradise. We spend money on vacations and things and in different uh, parts of our, maybe your house or your car. We're trying to create this place of, of what feels like paradise. But God said, I've made that place you're longing for. Paradise is with me. Are you with me? It says this, I've gone and prepared a place for you, the scripture says. 
God is in heaven. He says, I've gone and I've prepared a place for you. Now, many of you who have kids who've ever prepared anything for your kids, you can't wait for them to enjoy in that, right? Uh, you get like, oh, they're, they're going to love this. Maybe you're building something or you bought something. You're putting, oh my gosh, I've prepared this for them. I can't wait for them to be involved in this and be a part of this and see this and enjoy in this. That's what he's saying. It's like, look, I'm going to prepare a place for you because I can't wait for you to be a part of it and be in it and be with it, with me. Are you with me? I want you to dwell in it. Well, that's heaven. It's a place that God made for you. Scripture says this in 1 Corinthians 2, 9. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Literally, you can't even comprehend the things that God has put in place for us in heaven. The, the, the things that uh, are there and prepared, like we literally can't comprehend. Uh, the closest we can get is if you've been, ever been in a perfect moment. Like you think about your life, you're like, this is a perfect moment. Uh, for some of you, it's like you finally, you know, you just finally get out of work. You just get, you get to your vacation place. We camp. We have places that in the middle of January we long for. We're like, oh, just to get to that sunset place. But, but maybe for you, it's a vacation. You just finally get away and you get set and you get there and you just have that moment, that sliver of heaven. You're just like, oh, no more stress, no more whatever. I could describe it to you. You know what that thing is. You're just like, oh, I'm here. It feels for a moment like heaven. Maybe for some of you, you know, it's, it's a cuddle, you know, that you're, so your little one climbs up and just cuddles, just hits it. You're it's sleeping. You're just, oh, my little one is just drawn in. You say, for a second, this is heaven. I just, I got it. This is, maybe for some of you, it's, it's you, you made it. You're, you're out on the boat. You're on the lake and the sun is there and the fish are by. And for a second, you stop. You're like, this is really almost heaven to me. We've all had those little glimpses. But can I tell you, those perfect moments don't even compare to how we're going to feel when we're in heaven. Are you with me? It's infinitely and indescribably better than anything you can ask or imagine. What we just hear, whatever you can think of that God prepared for you, it's infinitely and indescribably better than what you can even imagine. That is heaven. Psalms 84.10 says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. You can live a thousand years elsewhere and put together all the best things that happened in those thousand years and put them all in one pile, and it won't compare to one day in the courts with God. It's an amazing thing. They talk a lot about in this book, and again, I'm not going to try to be spoiler, but they talk a lot about how when you get to heaven, you have an increase in what feels like senses. There's just so much more to heaven than we can even understand. It would be as if you never tasted. Imagine you never tasted anything before. And I was trying to explain to you tasting. Well, how could you compare that to anything? You have no idea of what a taste is. You have no idea an apple or anything. You have no idea. And so I'm trying to, well, that's like what it is when we try to explain heaven. Uh, you just, there's no comparison. Imagine, uh, they say when you get to heaven and these experiences, your senses and what you see and experience and feel is just so perfect. It's unexplainable. Imagine uh, if you were colorblind, I know some people here are, and you see the world now beautiful. You, you love it and you enjoy it already and you're colorblind. You don't see the fullness of everything and you look and you say, but imagine if in a moment we could remove that and you would say, wow, there's a new layer to this beauty and to this color. When we get to heaven, it's gonna be that way. You're going to get there and your experiences are going to be more than you could even imagine. Imagine if you never heard music put together, the arrangement of sound in a way that was audio. If you never heard music, how could I explain music to you? 
You would have no idea. Well, it's going to be like when you get to heaven. We don't know what it is. We can't explain it. But when we get there, you're going to hear things and experience things that you didn't even know existed. How many have ever seen the little video uh, where they put a hearing aid on a, on a little baby who's never heard? All of a sudden, they just they become enlightened to this whole new world. That's us in heaven. That's probably going to be our face when we get in. That little baby that shakes, and that's all of us as we walk in. Because it's just this amazing thing that you can't even imagine, you can't even describe, but God prepared it for you. Are you with me? It says this in Psalm 1611, it says, you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Eternal. So think of a day in heaven. And I, you know, I don't know, sleep and days and all those kinds of things, but just imagine your day as you go in heaven. You're never going to have an ache. You're never going to have a stress. You're never going to have a worry. You're never going to have a moment of any kind of angst that we deal with in a day. Headaches, maybe people that carry an arthritis or anything that you've dealt with with years here on earth. When you're in heaven, you're made perfect. You're made new. You're a new being. You're, you're, it's, it's perfect. It's perfection. Uh, many people ask, you know, as we're made new, uh, are we going to be able to recognize each other and know each other? And uh, the truth is, uh, there will be some people you don't recognize. And those are the plastic surgery people because their plastic doesn't go with them. So in heaven, they're represented a little more what they should be. So I think that's what it means when it says you won't recognize a few. So bad news for a few of you. Uh, I'll close with this. Uh, here's the most important thing we need to know is this misconception, and it's really a lie that the enemy has sold us, and it's a, it's a mistruth that most people are going to heaven. And the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that the majority of people or that most are going to heaven. And there's some study, there's some research that we'll get into over the next couple of weeks uh, where people have been pulled. But the scripture says this truthfully about heaven in Matthew 7. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Of 120 people polled in a study, and 120 people polled, one person out of 120 said that they think that they're going to hell. Out of 120, one person said, I think I'm going to hell. They did it in, in these different studies and pockets, and they came up one person. And the sad thing about the 120 that were polled in this study, in the 120 that were polled that said they feel like they're going to heaven, 90 of them said the reason they're confident that they're going to heaven is because they do good things. They didn't say salvation. They said because they've lived a good life or they've done good works. There's a misconception, there's a lie that you can get there aside from Jesus. And it's not true. The only way to heaven is through Jesus. The only way into eternity, into participate in these rewards that God says that he's designed for us is through his son. It's through the death, burial, and resurrection of the cross. So your good works, your good ideas, your good feels that make you think you're a good person and you're doing a good thing, aside from Jesus, those don't mean anything. Listen, it's a hard truth 
But when you're born, when you are here, when you're born, your default destination, meaning your ticket is punched for hell until you encounter Jesus in salvation. We've all are sinners. We're all, now listen, I, I'm, I'm gonna, obviously I could debate with you uh, children, you know, who, who don't get to the place of, of, that's a whole nother thing. But your default destination without Jesus is hell. We have to come to a lordship with Jesus where we ask, you know, everything we know, we ask the forgiveness of our sins. We surrender our lives to Jesus who paid it all so that we could be with him in paradise. Are you with me? And that's a sobering thought. And the reason I say it that way is because we need to be so heavenly minded that we understand the most important thing we can do is change people's default destination. That's our job here. It's like, hey, guess what? Jesus made a way for us to change your ticket. And that's a very terrible way of saying it because it's not, oh, I got my ticket to heaven. It's more than that. But if we live so kingdomly, heavenly minded that we say all my energies, all my efforts, all of my passions are gonna make sure I change your default. That's how God designed us to live. That's the great commission. Are you with me? Scripture says in heaven, God will dwell with us. We can't even begin to understand what that looks like. We haven't even seen in scripture where somebody was able, Moses, all these people tried to get glimpses of God and there was so much power in who he was. He could only reveal parts or show or like let the light, all these amazing things, but to fully dwell in the glory of God, it's like nothing you could ever even imagine. We need to live heavenly minded. That's why I think we pray in the Lord's prayer, hey, on earth as it is in heaven, God, give us, we, we want heavenly mindsets here on earth. 